always know we're in for a good episode of the OHL podcast when we get a former goaltender. Actually, Ken, do we even call you former goaltenders or once a goaltender, always a goaltender? Is that how this works? I think you're always a goalie. (laughs) We love the stories we get from goalies. And the question I always start with is why? Why would anyone subject themselves to this position in hockey? What were you thinking, Ken? I'm not sure, but uh, I know my son wanted to try it when he was a kid, and I said, absolutely not. (laughs) So you learned your lesson, is what you're saying. I sure did. What got you started in goaltending? Well, what got me started was, uh, geez, I was in um, elementary school, and and I loved hockey as a kid. We played ball hockey and did all that stuff, and and then... um, you know, we didn't, we grew up in uh, pretty frugally and, and, you know, went to school and, and did all that and followed hockey. We always watched, you know, Hockey Night in Canada and things like that. But but playing was another thing. But uh, I, I got kind of close to the game in grade four, um, just going to watch the school hockey team play. And, and I, you know, got close to the guys, got close to the coach, the group and, and, and I was on the bench, you know, feeding, filling water bottles and doing all that. And, and then uh, one day they, our goalie got hurt in grade four and, uh, and, and nobody piped up to go in. And I, and I love playing ball hockey and I could skate a little bit. So I ended up going in to fill in for him for this, uh, this kid named Glenn. And, and, and we had some success and, and moving forward, I, I, that's what I did was I played for the hockey team for the rest of the year. Amazing. And it's usually that sort of situation, right? There's some kind of emergency or the kid that doesn't skate all that well, that was the, right. ends up being stuck in net too. Exactly. <laughs> At what point along the way did you realize that maybe, just maybe, there's something that can come of this? Well, you know, I ended up playing for... Um our elementary school for the next two years. And, and then at the end of the year, there's always a championship game. Um, and in Toronto, they held the champ, they held a championship day for all the schools and, and levels and that down at Maple Leaf gardens. So, you know, the next two years in a row for Williamson road, we played at Maple Leaf gardens and we won the championship two years in a row. And then, and then the following year, I was moving up to middle school, which would have been grade eight. And, uh, and then I, I, I played for them. And after my first year there, um, the coach of the team, he'd also coached uh, um, an MTHL team in the city and asked me if I would play MTHL hockey. So I, that's, what, that's what I did is I, I, I moved in I moved along and played MTHL hockey for him and um, I played a year there for Globe, and then um, the Toronto Young Nats held tryouts, and and they asked me to go and try out there, and I made the team as a Toronto Young Nat, and playing major major hockey from high school or from junior school. Maple Leaf Gardens, what a shrine, and it's something that will absolutely factor into this conversation in just a little bit. But let me go from there. Obviously, yeah. you've alluded to the fact that you're growing up in Toronto. For a kid from Toronto, Ken, 
when you mm-hmm. hear that you've been drafted into the Ontario Hockey League by the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds? I mean, are you pulling out the map? Or are you wondering how long the drive is? What goes through your head? Pretty much. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was a big Marley fan when I was a kid. Uh, we'd go down on, on the weekends and, and watch them play and run around the rink and see all the pitchers and do all that stuff. But uh, we, we knew who the two Greyhounds were predominantly be, uh, because of Wayne Gretzky. Great. Wayne Gretzky kind of put them on, on our map anyways. I mean, they were there before, but uh, he's, he drew, uh, he drew a lot of, a lot of eyes to the Sioux. Uh, unfortunately, I guess for you, you end up there a little after. I mean, it's probably easier to be a goalie when you know you've got a guy that's going to score five or six for you at night. <laughs> yeah, I was there a little after. I was in a, I was in a, in, in, it was called the down years. I'll tell you when we first, when we first started out there and, and they didn't have a good record. They didn't have, um, it, you know, before I was drafted, um, um, Sam McMaster and Terry Chris both contacted me when I was playing with um, the Toronto Young Nats and they came down and took my mom and myself out for, for dinner and asked me if, if I would report, if I did, if they did draft me and, and they wanted to know a bit about me too. But uh, I said, absolutely. I'm, I was, I was happier than, than anything to, to even be recognized to go and play in the OHL. What a great attitude to have, because, I mean, there was a significant player about a decade after you, we'll just keep his name out of it, <clears throat> Eric Lindros, that would not report to the Sault Ste. Marie <laughs> Greyhounds, right? But you were just like, listen, give me the chance to play in this league. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's growing up on two different two different planets, I would think. Yeah. I'm sure that uh, a number of kids get to pick and choose programs they get to go to. And, and we grew up playing, playing ball hockey. And uh, I mean, not, not even thinking that that was a possible dream. These kids were all groomed. A lot of kids are groomed to, to go and they get to go where they want. So it didn't matter. It was, it was going. What was it like playing for Terry Crisp? I love Terry Crisp. Terry Crisp was uh, obviously he's uh, he's uh, he's very animated and um, excited and and he wants to teach you the game and uh, you know in the Sioux and in in my first first couple of years my first year and a half before I was traded of course he was a great 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 coach and and a motivator and and colorful and and all that and. And he held the team pretty darn close, and everybody'd been to his house and and Christmas parties there and things like that. Crispy had his whole house decorated like the Philadelphia Flyers. He had the rug on the basement floor; it was all embroidered Philadelphia Flyers, black and orange, everything. No kidding. Yeah. So it's funny because um, you know, and, and I, I we can we can when we talk about this a little bit later um our paths cross a little bit later through our kids of course um my son played against his his twin grandkids in the in the kijhl in bc so but uh back to back to crispy and, and enjoying the time in the Sioux. i mean we had a lot of fun down at crispy's and bounced his kids on our knees and knew his wife and his daughter and it was really cool 
I'll tell you what else is really cool for me, Ken. You just mentioned the KIJHL. That was the first league that I ever covered in hockey. Sick oh, was right? this I was working in play in Salmon Arm, you would know it. And they didn't have the team yet. The Silverbacks weren't there, but the Sycamus right. Eagles were, and I would cover oh. the Sycamus Eagles. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, oh, there's wow. still Sycamus is still there. That's yeah. great. So, so your yeah. son plays against Crispy's twin grandkids. He did. Yeah. Well, as a matter of fact, he um, before before the K, we had run into them in a in a city in a in a Calgary playdown here. And um, we were playing against Trails West. And lo and behold, don't we look at the roster and there's a couple of crisp kids on there. We're like, and because I was an assistant coach for my kids team. We're like, nah, I don't know. It could, could be. Not many crisps on the planet. Anyways, at the end of the game, don't we do go walking through the, uh, we're going through the, uh, the handshake on the ice. And, and I don't know which kids... I don't know which kids I'm looking at. I'm sorry, my battery was just a little low. And uh, at the end of the lineup, aren't I shaking Tony Crisp's hand at the end of the lineup? And I'm like, oh my God, Tony. I said, you were the last person I would have expected to to run into in the middle of a rink at my son's game. And I said, are those your boys? And he said, yeah. He said, so we got talking and I, Send my best to Crispy, and so doesn't don't the the kids end up playing together in Princeton Posse? I believe they were playing for, and my son was playing for the Kelowna Chiefs, and then we all got together. We got some pictures, and we got them sent off to Crispy and stuff like that. So it's kind of cool. Amazing. Decades later, but those ties still bind, don't they? Absolutely. Yeah. No. It's uh, yeah. It's it's a it's. It's you don't realize what a small world it really is. You talked, Ken, about you know being at Crispy's place for Christmas parties and stuff. And I'm I'm guessing that when you're up there in the Sioux, there's to some degree some isolation. So the team has to be like there for each other, both on and off the ice. Absolutely. Yeah. We all went to school together, we we ate together, we we were on the ice together every day. Yeah, I mean, some kids went to different schools, but we were, we all see saw each other every day for sure. So, and then we all decided, like, if we weren't in school, that we had our favorite restaurants and different things like that. We'd all meet at all the time. So, yeah, it was really good. Along with learning from Terry Crisp and and being guided by him. You had another goaltender up there in the Sioux with you by the name of Van Beesbrook. I think, I mean, I guess it worked out okay for him in hockey. I don't know. Yeah, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny, you know, and and, and I had no, no idea about John Van Beesbrook until, you know, I, you know, my first camp there. And uh, John, I expected to make the team. Um, I was, I was the first goalie selected in that draft. So I expect I kind of expected to make the team, and uh, lo and behold, there was um there was another kid there. There was a Dan Lange. He was drafted. He was drafted behind me, but uh, uh, Van Beesbrook was there as a walk on from uh, Detroit Little Caesars. So and apparently um, there was a mix up with uh, with um, 
I guess the other kid from the Detroit Little Caesars was drafted, and um, but um, they had they had they had lost Beezer's jersey at the tournament when he was playing for Detroit Little Caesars, and he had to wear the other goalie's jersey. And lo and behold, he stands on his ear for that tournament, and uh, and uh, he gets drafted under the name bar that he was wearing. So. So the other goalie got drafted and Beezer was a walk-on and and Sam being pretty shrewd knew he knew what it was. So he knew who he was. So he he invited him to the Sioux and and he didn't he didn't miss a beat. What was your first OHL start like? How nervous were you? Uh I was I was extremely nervous. I uh I think it was I think it was in Sudbury. And, uh, and, and, and I, I believe it was a win, you know, the first half of the, uh, the first season that I was there in the Sioux, Beezer and I split the duties because we also had an overage, well, not an overage, a 19 year old, Mark DeMore, who was still injured. So he wasn't ready to play yet. So we started the season with, with two 17 year old goalies. And then the first half of the season, um, Demora had come back, and then we were back and forth, and then, uh, and then, towards the end of the season, then Demora was uh, he was he was pretty much seated too, and I was I was starting to watch games. You guys had a a pretty deep playoff run that first year. You knock off Oshawa, you knock off yep. Kingston. And then those pesky Kitchener Rangers ended yeah. up getting you. Absolutely. Yeah, they had a pretty strong team too. They Don't did. Kenneth Bellows and, and Wendell Young, who played, stood on his head for, for the years he was there too. It's funny how you're always thinking of the other team's goalie, eh? Always. You always know. <laughs> yeah, they called him Dependable Wendell for a reason down here at Kitchener. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, don't forget Oshawa had Sidorkowitz too, and who he was a call up, and he he nobody knew he who he was until he started in the playoffs against the Sioux that year, and he he had some great great games. You talked about that that first start being in Sudbury, which is yeah. a close trip for the Sioux Saint Marie yeah. Greyhounds. What was travel like for you? Well, travel, you know what? I, I kind of enjoyed it. Um, I, you know, I, I, I felt like I was a young 17-year-old when I went. So, it, you know, closer I was and with, with more guys. And, and my roommate was Steve Smith. And we, we had a great time. Um, I love the road trips. But, uh, you know, starting in Sudbury was, was huge for me. I, I knew it was a big rivalry. And, and you know... Playing in that was just kind of broke the ice for me. And then, you know, I got some starts through through the rest of our trips up to at least midway through the season, maybe closer to the end, even maybe the back third is when kind of when Demore came back. But um, I played in some good ranks there. I mean, I played in London, played in Toronto. Um, I got a start in, at Maple Leaf Gardens. It was amazing. That's got to be. For a Toronto kid, I remember when I was co-oping Ken as part yeah. of my broadcasting program, and I got to spend five consecutive weekends on the truck for Hockey Night in Canada. Yeah, 
at Maple Leaf Gardens. And just as a, you know, a Waterloo region boy, Leafs fan lifelong, like that was amazing for me. But to play there as a kid that grew up yeah. in Toronto, come on, come on. It, it was so cool. Yeah. Well, it was so cool for me too, because I mean, we caught the odd Leaf game. I mean, we didn't, we didn't afford a lot of Leaf tickets when I was a kid, but we always watched them. And then we always went and watched the Marlies play. So it was very cool to be on, on the surface for sure. Who did you look up to? Who did you idolize as a young hockey player? Oh my God. Who didn't love Palmateer if you Absolutely. were a <laughs> And did you did you copy any of the style? Like would you skate out as far as the blue line to <laughs> I I think yeah, he was kinda kinda my guy actually. So yeah, I I I would be I'd do anything to try and stop a puck. So yeah. How difficult was it for you? the next year when you get traded away from that team that drafted you to, of all places, an expansion team in Belleville. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. Well, for me, I, you know what, it was, it was my opportunity, but, uh, I had, uh, I had met a girl in the zoo and, and it was breaking my heart to go and, and I was kind of torn. And then, you know, when, when, uh, when it was all said and done, I, uh, I saw the light and, and, and went and did her and, and I thought, what a great opportunity. Well, then let's not forget though, I had to, I had to go to Belleville and then, try and earn a earn a starting position there too because uh, I walked in when I walked in there they had Darren Pang and he was uh, he was a high pick for Belleville when at their first year I was going to ask about Panger because much like yeah. Beezer up in the Sioux you're walking into a place with another very good goaltender but you guys pretty much split duties that first year we did there. yeah we did and then they ultimately they ultimately traded Panger in the end and then uh you know i just i had my own ups and downs and and family stuff to deal with in the end and it uh it's just a grind just a grind so i ended up at at, at the end of everything for me 
I, uh, I went and played uh, another year in the OJHL for the New Market Flyers under Terry O'Brien there. Why did you so make that, that decision? Well, at the, at, you know what I had, um, after my, after my first year was over in Belleville, I had a really good year that year. And, um, I got, uh, I got an invite and I went to the New York Rangers training camp and, and that was amazing. We had a couple of teammates from Belleville that, that went as well. So that was, it was really cool. Maple Leaf Gardens and Madison Square Garden, Ken. Madison Square Gardens. But let's keep in mind the training camp was at Rye, Rye Playland. And that and so we didn't we went to uh, Madison Square Gardens, but we didn't get to play on it until you were in the end of the exhibition games. What experiences did you take away with you from that opportunity? Well, you don't realize just how how many kids are out there just just how uh how how slim that margin it really is you know it's there's there's a lot of people you don't realize how many kids are out there knocking on the doors the same door you're knocking on <laughs> yeah so the the thing is you really have to find a way to differentiate yourself don't you yeah you do for sure yeah so you're in Belleville. It's an expansion team. Everything's brand new. What was that experience like as, you know, first year for this team in the league? Uh, well, you knew you weren't going in there to blow any doors off any gates in terms of winning a lot of games. So we, we had a pretty, pretty crazy crew that Mav put together uh, in terms of roster. Don't forget we had we had Dan Quinn, uh, we had Craig Cox, we had Marty McSorley, we had Ali Buderak. I mean, we 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 had some characters. Yeah, and I think all of those characters uh, were called upon early in the season. I think again, it was a game in Kitchener, and oh my goodness, what a humdinger! I know, I know. We had a lot of brawls everywhere, like. And and Mav was no stranger to it, eh? That was just kind of Mav's way of growing up himself. Aaron so he, Bell. Yeah, Aaron Bell, who is still up in the Quinty region and a terrific uh, guy and a historian of the Bulls and a, a previous guest on this podcast, wrote about that first year and said sometime around February, Mav mm -hmm. called you all together as a team and said, you guys, you got to be tougher if you want to win games. Do you remember much about that? meeting oh i do i do and uh and and he's like he said and that's and that goes for my goalies and that, that it goes from the from the goalie out everybody's got to get their nose dirty and we did i mean i ended up in 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 deep trouble at maple leaf gardens going from one end to the other and fighting bruce dowie so dave branch gave me he suspended me for the rest of the year and there was, what do we have, eight regular season games left and we we're on the edge of making the playoffs. We didn't end up making the playoffs, but but that's what Mav wanted. And it was, he, he kind of incited you. That's what I said earlier when Maple Leaf Gardens would factor back into this because yeah. I'd read about that and yep, 
right after the the speech from the coach, uh, you got yourself into one at Maple Leaf Garden. So, all how, did did Dowie want to go, or were you just going to make sure this happened? Well, I I had to go because Dowie had jumped in as a second man in on a fight at the other end by his net. So, Maps looking at me, and I see his teeth falling out of his. I said, "I'm gone. Don't worry." So I went from my net all the way down. Had you had other fights? Did you have any other fights after that one? Yeah, I've had I had a few. I had uh, I had um, uh, one with a Stephen Ritchie at the center ice in Kingston, and and I had a fight with um, I, Greg Gilbert at Maple Leaf Gardens in another game. But, yeah, but once you kind of get the taste of it, yeah, you kind of kind of have a bit of fun with it, and you kind of forget what you're really there for. I guess that's just par for the course in 1980s OHL hockey. Isn't it, it was, it was for sure. Is there, it is was. there a technique, Ken, as a goaltender? Like, what do you do? Your mask comes off, right? You're unlike the players. You don't leave your helmets on. Well, the mask usually comes off, but you're, you're trying, if you can, to leave your blocker on and get a hold with your glove hand. Keep swinging. Incredible. And I guess these types of events were commonplace in that whether you got involved or not you you listed yeah. off the guys that you had there in Belleville especially I mean you were no strangers to uh the the physical play no not at all and, and most you know most uh most uh teams kind of had that game circled because they they knew what was coming to town it was it, it, we felt like a, a three-ring circus going into town and they weren't playing the top team but they knew there'd be it'd be a busy day Right. So if you if you couldn't beat them on the scoreboard, just leave them a reminder that they had exactly. played the Belleville Bulls. Exactly. Yeah. What was it like playing for Mav? Obviously, you've alluded to some expectations that he certainly had of you. Mav, you know, Mav was a he's a funny guy, man. He uh, he had he could get mad at you and, and and he could love you in the same minute. I remember between periods once that. You know, more than once he'd be yelling at somebody in the dressing room and he'd be ready to come. He'd be ready to climb over the table and, and pick someone's ass in the middle of the dressing room. But more than once his teeth fell out in the middle of ranting. Eh? And we just he'd pick him up and leave. And, you know, he was uh, a gruff character, but he was also a, a super guy, too. You You knew deep down that he cared about you? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I had kind of maintained a little bit of contact with Mav later through Marty. I still, uh, I still speak to Marty McSorley quite a bit. And as a matter of fact, he just called me last week, as a matter of fact. And whenever he swings through Calgary, we usually either go for a steak or a beer. And How's Marty doing? How's Marty doing? Marty's doing good. He's doing good. He's, uh, he's married. He's got a, he's got a house on the strand down in California and, He's, I believe, selling that now and moving. They're going to move to Arizona, and he's got a, a young family. And don't forget, like we're sixty, and he's still got a young family because he married a little younger. <laughs> I ran into Marty years and years ago up in Sudbury, yeah. and uh, invited him to come on an intermission on my broadcast with me, and okay. he seemed a little bit 
indifferent to the idea. And one of the coaches on the team was giving me a hard time. Like I'd been uh, rejected by a girl I asked out or something like that. <laughs> but wouldn't you know, Ken, there I was in my intermission. And I don't know, I mean, what you would have known about the broadcast location, but it's not the easiest thing to get to. You got to climb basically this ladder to get up into the box, but son yeah. of a gun, Marty showed up and we did an intermission interview together. So there you go. Awesome. He's a great guy. Yeah. yeah, he's got those big bear paws for hands, too. Just oh, swallowed up half sure. my arm. Yeah, yeah. No, he's, <laughs> he's a brute, for sure. How many of the guys from your days do you keep in touch with? Well, and, you know, I just ran into a few in the last few years that we, um, uh, through a group, through the Sioux Greyhounds, like, um, you know, Huey Larkin and, and, and some of those guys that Terry Tate and... Chris Felix, guys like that that are that are still kind of connected to the Sioux, um, but uh, and and Dan Quinn's on there too. But yeah, so through social media, we'll 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 see each other all on chiming in on something. I think it was social media that led you to reconnect with a former broadcaster from Sioux Saint Marie, Paul Hendrick. Ah, oh, yes, sir. that's right. That's right. We uh, we had connected through Facebook, and he was in town uh, with the Leafs, of course. And uh, he told me down where, where they were staying, and he we went, I met went down and met him for a coffee, and we caught back up then. Yeah, I remember Paul from my first year in the Sioux with and living with Smitty. It was what a lot of fun. Yeah, no kidding. I I was curious too. I've I've talked to a number of guys on this show about playing in Belleville, and yeah. for a goaltender especially, the dimensions of that rink, Ken, must have driven you batty. It kind of did because you're you you, you kind of lose where your net is behind you. It's like playing in the middle of Lake Ontario, and I used to yeah, and I used to tease Marty all the time because early on in Marty's. Uh, career he was he was easy to beat wide eh and i'm like oh my god marty die get off the goddamn ice <laughs> i said it's like playing shorthanded with you out here anyways it, we we had uh, we had a lot of fun with that but uh yeah it's it was it was uh it was pretty wide open in your own end for sure so we, we had some good hockey games and you had mentioned Kingston earlier. Uh, yep. What was the rivalry like with, I guess back then it was the Canadians. It was the Canadians. Um, yeah, it was really good. And I mean, they had, who did they have? Like Siltala Stuthers and, and Mike Moffat and guys like that. It was, um, they'd fill those ranks. Well, and Kingston didn't have a big rink. So it oh. was full pretty quick. So. Yeah, it was it was it was a pretty good uh, atmosphere to play in. What led you out to Calgary? Well, you know what, my mom was from out west, and then uh, she came out here when we were all moved out and later in life, and uh, I came out to visit her in '94, and I stayed. I sent for my things, and and I said, "This is pretty cool," so I moved out here. It's a completely different vibe than the mega city of Toronto, isn't it? It is. It is. And you know, in Toronto, I grew up in uh, I grew up in a small part of Toronto though, in the beaches, and that was uh, that was a beautiful neighborhood. I enjoyed it there. But uh, you had to be able to afford to stay in the beaches, and 
and you got to work and you got to do all that. And when I came out to visit my mom, I thought, this is beautiful out here. So uh, I, that's, I thought, geez, I, this is a great place. So I, I've still got, I've got three siblings there. I've got uh, two brothers and a sister still there, but they're not right in the heart of Toronto. I got a, a brother out in Ajax and a brother in Oakville and my sister's in, in Milton. So when you look back, Ken, on your Ontario Hockey League career, what memories stand out for you as the fondest? Well, probably my first year getting drafted and my first year in the Sioux and playing in a small town like that was was absolutely amazing. And then uh, between my first year in the Sioux and then and then my first year in Belleville, um, when when I really got to to play a lot of lot of games, it was amazing. Both, you know, both both had small town vibes and, and everybody knew who you were. And it was it was great. I, I touched base with uh, Scott Clark, who's also he was uh, in the front office with the Oshawa Generals and now yeah. does memorabilia. And he had connected with ah. you. He was actually the one that made helped me get in touch with you because was it a, a Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds jacket? Yeah. Yeah. Well, in my travels, I had left everything behind, all behind me. I left the trail of shit from I don't know where to wherever it ended. Anyways, um, a jacket showed up from my year that on 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 a memorabilia site, and I'm like, Jesus, I'm gonna I'm gonna bid on that. I ended up bidding on it, and I got it, and the rest is history. So it's so, nice to get a jacket back. Absolutely, and it just makes me think like. Now, you know, as as you age, do you look back differently? I mean, I think sometimes when we're in the moment, when we're going through the league, we don't really think about the impact it's having. You know what? And, and absolutely, what would I do things a lot differently? Um, I tell my son, you keep every hockey sock, you keep every every jersey, everything, every little piece of every puck, keep all of that. Because I didn't, and and I'm here. I'm still scrambling to buy shit when I see it. Stuff that I should have had in my bag. So I said, cherish, cherish it all, remember it all, and stay close to it, man. Because it's uh, it's it's an amazing ride. So I suppose uh, a puck from your first win, for example, isn't something that is still with you. It's not with me, no. Yeah. No. But, and, and again, that's another item I, bu- I purchased through Scott, too. <laughs> I got another puck. Perfect. I did. So we're, we're helping keep Scott in business, which is awesome, right? For sure. And he's connecting yeah. me to people like you so we can talk about the old days. That's really cool. What would you do to get ready for a game? Because I've, I've, I've worked in this league long enough that I know that on most game days, don't even bother trying to talk to the starting goaltender. And I get it. Full respect, yeah. but what was your preparation like? Um, you know what? Back then, well, of course, we didn't have social media. I, I'd always want to sleep in the afternoon after eating something, and then and then I couldn't eat. Right, so you have to eat something fairly early, and then I'd need a big sleep, and then we'd get up and Smitty and I'd go to the rink, get ready, and we'd always go really early. We'd be one of the first kids there, and and because that's kind of where you want to be. Nobody was ever late game day. Do you still play at all? Any beer league? Anything? I do. Nice. I do. 
Every Sunday night I play at my local rink. I still put them on. So it's, um, and, and I know a lot of goalies that, that don't put the pads on anymore and they're playing, they're usually playing out there on a wing or D or doing something, but I, I still want to stay in there. Yeah. Yeah. How are, how are the knees after all of this and hips? Well, the, you know what? The knees are fine, but I've had five hip replacements. Yowza. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know that I'll go for a six, but I've had five. But you're still out there battling. That's all the counts. Oh, yeah, for sure I am. <laughs> Ken, it's been what's fun. Really good, though, what's really good is when my son comes home at Christmas or something and he can play with us. So it's nice to be able to play with your kid. Sure. Where is he right now? He's playing for the uh he's playing for the Okanagan Lakers and the BCIHL. Uh you he's going to UBCO. Nice. Yeah. And you didn't try to talk him out of hockey, eh? No, no way. Like, this is like his, you know, when his, his last couple of years in the K, because he went there early as a midget uh, for the, with the Kelowna Chiefs. And in his last year, he was the captain there. But um, uh, he started university in his second year in the K, but only taking a couple of courses at UBCO. And then uh, when his time come to an end with the K, um the Okanagan Lakers had their uh, their first season start and and that's they recruited him to go and play there so it's been 6 years for him for a 4 year undergrad i said you want to do it you want to play again just now's the time to do it so he's doing it and when you get the chance to play against him how much or with him how much of a friendly rivalry is there hey dad i beat oh. you top glove yeah, he well, I leave. I bait him too, right? <laughs> um, but he would always play against me for sure. We have to do it that way, of course. Yes, of course, of course. So, as a kid that grew up in Toronto, now I'm curious, and we talked about how much fun it would have been playing in Maple Leaf Gardens and Paul Matier yeah. and all that stuff. But are you a Flames fan now, Ken? I am through and through a Flames fan. No kidding, absolutely. You turned on us, Ken. I, I did. I did. <laughs> well, you know, it, God, what a, what a good bunch of guys out here. And, you know, as a goalie, I fell in love with Mika Kiprasov. I was like, this guy was, he was something else. So, yeah, we are, we are through and through Flames fans. <laughs> well, I guess that's allowed, all things considered, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> listen it's been fun getting the chance to chat with you thanks very much for making the time to do this no problem man anytime hi i'm emily roger and i host a leadership show called the boiling point with my co-host dave vale Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com.
Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.